You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Last year, Vince and I recorded an episode of Popcorn Ronin after the passing of Wes Craven. I talked about the importance of horror as a social bonding experience, be it with a group of friends in somebody's basement or at a theater full of people. I feel that horror games are almost exactly the opposite, though, in that they are best experienced by yourself in a dark room late at night with your headphones on. The social aspect comes later on as you recount the many times you jumped at the same parts. I've been playing Layers of Fear for the last week and absolutely loving it. Not so much that I can play too long for every session because it justifiably scares the shit out of me every time I play. And Joe can attest to that (laughs) because (laughs) I've been playing on my PC, of course, with my Mac right beside me, which I keep the screen active all the time. (laughs) Anytime it tries to go into sleep, I push the the key or I move the mouse so that the light comes back. And I've been chatting with Joe about it as I'm playing it. It is a spectacularly well constructed game in many regards. That of course was the intro music and there's various themes throughout the music, especially in horror has such a presence and it should and if it doesn't then whoever created the horror game or movie has failed it's imperative that that music put you off balance and this theme does so the game starts off with you in an old victorian style home and you just are exploring it reminded me kind of missed back in the day although with the obvious horror slant to it you can interact with a variety of different objects as you go through the home and it's by exploring by reading the pieces of paper strewn about here and there notes which is cleverly included in the story as part of the story wherein you the lead character who happens to be an artist and your wife whom there's obvious issues between the two of you not the least of which being communication often will just pass notes leave notes for each other in different parts of the home be it the front hall kind of thing whatever you would call it or in the artist room or or different locations and through those notes, as well as through other journal entries, notes, and a, manner, or a whole manner of other things, you piece together what has happened and try to figure out what the game is. What is the end result here? It takes a while before you get to the his his studio, essentially, where he paints. And once you get into that room, there is a cabinet that has six doors, and those doors are locked. You don't realize it immediately, but upon completing the first, maybe chapter, you can call it, it unlocks one door, and then you see the quote-unquote item that you have unlocked, as well as the note that is 
read to you. There's voice acting at different points throughout. And so that's how you know how many chapters there are until you finish a game. I have only gone through about two and a half so far, so I still have quite a bit to go in the game. However, I've uncovered a lot already, not the least of which being that the the artist, the person that you are playing at, likely suffers from schizophrenia. And that is the vehicle behind a lot of what is happening in the house because it's a massive house. However, things aren't right, obviously. In typical horror fashion, things change in front of your eyes. A variety of horrific things happen, sometimes just out of view, but you can hear it or whatever. And while schizophrenia has been often misdiagnosed, there are people who justifiably have to live with this kind of fear all the time. And if they're not properly medicated and whatnot. And it was funny because as I'm playing it, and so much as it's scaring the shit out of me, and as much as I'm I'm loving it and it makes me jump, periodically I am actually thinking about, dear Lord, some people actually have to live with this type of thing. Obviously not to this degree, well, although there might be some, but some people who live with this idea where it's the world is malleable around them and things like that. And it's, 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 it gives you more of an appreciation of, of various types of mental illnesses. The, as you're exploring throughout and you start off in essentially the house's entrance and you proceed from there and you can see immediately that something has gone wrong. And quite likely you, the player, not the player, but you, the character, although it could also be his wife, there's there's wine everywhere. <laughs> Bonus right there. But a lot of wine has been, the bottles are on the ground, broken, there's spilled wine, which at one point almost looked like blood until you get close and realize, oh, it's a spilled bottle. There's some clever design like that. And, and for you, that's even more terrifying. It, God damn, it pained me at points. And there is, of course, him being an artist, art all over the walls. And that's one of the things that drew me to the game initially before it came out, watching the trailers for it, obviously, because I live with an artist. And we do, we also buy art. We have a really deep appreciation for art. So the idea of playing as an artist is is really quite cool if done well. And the thing with this is that he paints who people are, not what they look like. So you have these jacked up fucking scary ass paintings all over the place that just set to the mood that there is something really wrong here. And a lot of the clues that you get are from the art as well. And the art will at times change in front of your eyes, which is fucking creepy as shit. There's a couple of points where I legitimately just blurted out a swear and then laughed because it was like, God damn it, you got me. <laughs> you got me, you <laughs> bastard game. You assholes, you got me to nope out. Good job. But it it, it was, it just happened so well, and I'm typically not a fan of horror games that rely just on jump scares. And mm -hmm. that's why I like this, because it doesn't. 
It relies on an insane amount of creep factor with some cleverly tossed in effects, different things that happen. And sometimes it's just jacked up shit that just fucks with your brain. Like, I mean, what happens as well, which is not spoiling anything, you just continue to go through rooms. So at one point, after you've basically gone through most of the, the house, I, I, I was telling I got to one door on the, the main level. I'd already been in the little place where the wine had spilled. And I mean, there's a light on in that one. It just looks like something's not right there. So I kind of put that room off and then I did it <laughs> later. And then another one is where the bathroom is downstairs and you can hear water running. And of course, in typical horror fashion, lights aren't very bright. Some rooms don't have any. You can't always see where the lights are. And they use the, the, light. the, the Unity engine. So it looks really good. And of course, I walk into the bathroom and there's a tub. It looks like there's water in it in the dark. And I'm going, shit, something's going to come out of there. And I'm looking around and I found a couple of small lights. Actually, first I only found the one. And then I found that the water was in the sink. It was just pouring. So I turn it off. And again, there's just something creepy about that. Why is the water still running and there's nobody around? What the fuck is going on here? And of course, there's a bathroom mirror right above the sink. And I'm thinking, I'm going to look in that mirror and there's going to be someone beside me. And it's going to scare <laughs> the shit out of me. I know. So I was prepped for it. But then I looked in the mirror and I saw someone. And I was like, ah, oh, crap, that's me. Okay. <laughs> That's my guy. So, so once I got past that. A normal everyday reaction for you. Basically, yeah. So then I'm wandering around some more on that floor. I open one door, and I told Joe this. I open one door, and there's stairs leading down. <laughs> and I quite literally out loud said, ah, hell no. And I closed the door. <laughs> and I just walked away. I still haven't actually gone down there. <laughs> It I was know. great for me because I was getting a play-by-play at the time he was doing this, too. So I was like, oh, he's like, I found a door. It's stairs. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been in the room, but only because at one point you fall through floors. I guess you have to go there because I was in another room and then I fell through the floor into that room and it's all dark. And then all of a sudden you turn around and there's a fucking painting right there and there's a face looking at you. And so you turn around and it's like, oh, shit. And then you wait a second and then it goes, blah. And then there's a, the picture fucks up and something else shows up and it's like, oh, what the hell is wrong with you people? Anyways. So once you've kind of explored the area and whatnot, and, and some of it is you, you can basically open almost all of the drawers and cabinets and, and things like that, and you'll find clues in some of them as well. So you want to be exploring a lot. Of course, some shit falls out of those things, so that'll fuck with your brain as well. So I quite literally, it would be hysterical to watch me streaming this game because I'm wincing whenever I'm opening shit or opening a door. I'm literally <laughs> wincing, waiting. And, and But then it fucks with you and nothing will happen. And so you walk through and then all of a sudden some jacked up shit happens. But some of it is just a mind fuck. So one of the rooms that I went through, I get to the tail end of it and nothing's happened. It's kind of, it's obviously a creepy room in terms of the design and the lighting and everything else and paintings. But okay, I'm scot-free. So I go to open the door. The door doesn't open. And then all of a sudden there's this, 
noise. And I was like, what the fuck? I turn around and there's this old wheelchair, like a wooden wheelchair with paint splattered all over it, right where I was standing, right behind me. It was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, I, why? And it just fucks with your brain. It's gotten to the point now I, I'm on to them. Now when some <laughs> shit happens, I turn, a, scoop. I turn around real slow because <laughs> I know something's going to happen. I already got attacked by a stack of books, okay? So I'm going to be careful from now on when I turn around. But uh, but anyway, so you, you explore just some some spots and uh, you get upstairs too and there's this nice kind of like loft area with a piano. And I thought, I wonder if you can touch the keys. Sure enough, touch the keys and it makes this crunk sound. I'm going, ah, oh, cool. Press it again. Makes the same sound. Press it again. Fucking top falls on the piano. Scares the shit out of me again. <laughs> and then in another room, I kind of walked away from the piano a little bit. In another room, there's a crash. And this is how good this game is. Your brain is telling you you're looking at pixels on a screen, you fucking numb nuts. I back away in the corner by the piano. <laughs> And I'm just waiting. I was like, what was that? What is going on here? And figured it out eventually. But you eventually get to his artist studio. And that's where that endless run of rooms comes about. And you get clues as to what happened as you go along. And you discover that they were, he and his wife obviously have different issues she's a, a brilliant musician she was pregnant she um she was caught in a fire as well and and burned really really quite badly in the fire and they play with fire throughout in different rooms as well and then he basically kind of lost it to a point and is like threatening a variety of different doctors to do something to help but he's like describing his wife as having an evil grin. And the doctors are saying like, that's really not very sensitive. It's not her fault. Her face was burned and different things like that. And so you can see that he is seeing evil there in her that the doctors obviously are saying doesn't exist. And then the baby and there's all kinds of stuff there too. So I, I, I don't want to spoil a lot. And granted also I haven't, like I said, I'm not even at the halfway mark yet. There's still a lot for me to to get through to uncover. But I will say that from a design perspective, it is in all but one way beautifully executed. And that's saying a lot for a horror game because, again, many of them will rely on just the jump scares. I'm not a huge fan of the Five Nights at Freddy's thing. Right. I really am not. And I I like an intelligent horror game that relies far more on setting and story and exploration and basically everything that's happening in this game. And it says a lot that I can only play for short bursts because it justifiably gets to me. And not just the, the, the tension of, of the game but also just everything that's happening in it. And I've already kind of gotten invested in trying to figure it out and caring for what happened to his wife and child and things like that. So the only downside is that periodically you will find uh, items. And as you inspect the item, there'll be a narration 
Most of them are from him. There are, I think I've gotten one, maybe two that were her speaking, but, um, but most are from him. And I'm not crazy about the voice actor for him. His, I don't want to say it's his tone, but his delivery, that's what it is, is really, mm-hmm. he, he's not selling that he is this character at all. So almost I'm, like he's just kind of absentmindedly reading the the lines, kind of. I know, and I don't even think it's that. I just think that he it wasn't the proper casting. That's all it is. He's a good voice actor. He's just not pulling off what this role demands at all. And I think that had they chosen somebody else who could more effectively convey what this character is going through and the type of man that he is, I think it would have given it a lot more depth. You're, I mean, you're not missing out a ton because there's not a lot of voice and narrative that goes on, but there is enough that when it pops up, it's like, yeah, that's the only thing holding it back. Mm. But I mean, there's things like you walk into one room and this will be it and then we can move on. You walk into one room and this is, I either did this last night or the night before. And again, just talking to clever design, the, the it's a, it's a bedroom and you kind of explore everything. And once you're sure nothing's going to jump out at you in the middle of the room, there's a very old style phonograph and like complete with the crank and all. And then on a table to the side, there's an LP. So you have to grab the LP, place it on and then start it playing. Well, when you first start playing it, it plays in reverse. And the room that you're in, essentially, without the flames, shows the effects of it burning down. So you see this charring and this melting of, like, the painting and of the different things. The bed sheets getting all charred and burnt. And everything, wallpapers, you name it, everything except for that center spot with the phonograph is scalded right down. And then you can mess around with the speed of the 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 album how fast it's gonna the turntable is gonna go so and it'll play at the different speeds too and i was trying to unlock figure out what's okay what do i have to do because you can't get out the door in some cases until you've unlocked whatever it is they want you to unlock and it wasn't until i kind of walked around it that i saw oh you can change whether it's in reverse or forward at the back of the phonograph. So I changed it so it was moving forward. Again, clever design. Plays it backwards to show you what's happening. Move it forward. And then the room comes back to this pristine version. And at that point, you can actually walk out. But there's clever design throughout that's not just meant to jump scare you, but in cases like this, unsettle you. And that is just as powerful, if not more so, when used effectively throughout a game like this. So for anybody who has not picked up this game, A, it is not expensive, well worth it, and it is just a very, very good game and good story so far as well. It's it's kind of hard to play for extended periods of time unless you are playing during the day, which my wife said, why don't you just play during the day? And I'm going, that just ruins the entire game. What's the point then? There's no... wants to play on easy mode. Yeah, no, 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 no. This has to be at night in the dark. And it's true because it has that much more impact when you're playing it. So I, I highly, highly recommend this game. So because of Roger's experience with this game and because of him, like, essentially, oh, dude, I was... walkthroughs, <laughs> like, like the live reactions for it, not only am I going to be playing this game, 
I'm going to be playing it. I, I have this thing recently where horror games, I love playing them with people, not just by myself, because I love that whole room reaction. Of, it's just one of those wonderful things. So every year, my local group of gaming friends does an extra life marathon. I'm sneaking this into the rotation <laughs> in hour 20 of the 24 hour marathon so that everybody's sufficiently tired by the end of this. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. I can't wait. That should be awesome. Cause yeah. it is. Oh, and it will be live stream. So you'll all be able to watch me like jump out of my seat, like a, you know, tiny, tiny man. The thing is, is that if you are playing and streaming it, cause I thought of that too. I almost did stream it. You're with other people. So you, it is easier to be braver about it and to not be as, you know, you know freaked I, out I was, about it. I, you know, I was playing until dawn with uh, with my friend Tony, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but I actually am more cautious when I have somebody with me because, and I don't know if it, it, it this may seem a little weird, but it's almost like. I have to kind of watch out for that person that's with me as well as it's a lot harder for me to separate the fact that it's pixels on a screen uh, when there's another person with me. Cause it's like, okay, well maybe this won't scare me, but it's going to scare the shit out of them. Yeah. But see, you that's know, for be me more cognizant of it. I'm, I'm the same way, but of course it's because I'm a parent as well. And so it is that protective aspect that kicks into gear I where you stress. I love it. it. It's, but in that regard, it makes you, Essentially, it gives you that shot of adrenaline to give you the bravery to move forward. Whereas if you're alone, it's a lot easier to just kind of sink into that, you know, fight or flight, but more so flight. Because it's funny because we have had in our homes and before that, the apartments, you do hear that something made a noise downstairs or whatever. And be it because of my personality type, which tends to be more fight than flight or because of the protective things with the kids, I'm on my feet fast and going to find what the hell the noise is or looking out the windows. If there's noise or, or whatever, not in this game, <laughs> not in this game, this game, I'm like, I'm perfectly all right with not going downstairs. I don't need to see what's down there. Let's just proceed with the rest of the game, <laughs> which is, is funny. And and it makes you kind of analyze who you are as a person a little bit more. <laughs> but yeah, great game. Highly, highly recommend it. Now, last week we did get yet another Nintendo Direct. We got a crap load of news. And Joe, I'm going to oh, let yeah. you run with this. Well, I'm going to start from the top and just kind of work my way through because there was a lot of stuff happening here. Uh, Nintendo didn't really hold back at all. Uh, they started off with Star Fox Zero, where we actually started getting some more information about the game uh, that we heard about and then just kind of fell off the radar and now it's starting to come back. What was most interesting to me about this is that there's going to be uh, divergent paths, not only to give you unique playthrough experiences, uh, but to add replayability to the game. And it adds that extra layer of exploration. And I don't know like, if you guys remember the original Star Fox games. They're always those weird little divergent paths. And that was kind of like even onto the N64 era, those were kind of those cool things where you tried to find the hidden exits, the hidden uh, paths, the hidden the, the different ways to get to the hidden systems and things like that. And they're bringing that back, and I really do appreciate that. Uh, they're also going to have unique story elements for each of the pilots and their counterparts on the enemy teams, which is going to be absolutely hysterical. And the two-player mode, which they showed off just a little bit, 
absolutely sold me on this if I wasn't already sold. I love the idea of having that sort of Borderlands style vehicle where one person's in control of driving things. The other person's job is just to shoot things out of the sky or around it. It looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely amazing. Everything I'm seeing here looks like this is going to be a fantastic entry into the Star Fox game. And there's all sorts of little cool things that they're adding in, too. Um, I recently purchased my first Amiibo. So I'm really excited that they're, you know, about Amiibo stuff now because now that's on my radar. In here, if you get the Star Fox Amiibo that comes out, that, that is already out, it unlocks the original Star Fox fighter space plane uh, that you can play as in the game, which is a cool little a cool little touch as well. I'm just going to come out and say that I'm surprised it's taking you this long to get an Amiibo. I, Seriously, I would have lost out on, on that bet. <laughs> Not only did I buy an Amiibo, I also bought a game for the Wii U specifically for the Amiibo so I could play multiplayer uh, Shovel Knight, actually. So which Amiibo did you buy? The Shovel, Shovel Knight, Knight one? Because okay. I bought the Shovel Knight one because it unlocks the uh, co-op mode, which is absolutely a blast. So I figured Mega Man would have been the breaking point. <sighs> no, it was, Yoshi. It was the, Shovel Knight. The Wooly Yoshi. That's that's Tarts. Okay. I the, can't um, handle that. That doesn't count. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> there not have like been it's amiibos in, your in the household, just none of them have been mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Irony is that I was just at my granddaughter's second birthday party and had to deal with that. Mine. No, mine. Mine. And I was like, here's Joe doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I was impressed with the, the Star Fox stuff because what we'd seen. Up until that point, mm-hmm. wasn't enough to sell me on it. No, it was but just like concept stuff, really. You see this, and it's like, oh, okay, now I see where you guys are going with it, and yeah, this will be a lot of fun. Well, I, and especially the idea of, of just the replayability of it, like they're adding yeah. depth to it, and that's something that a lot of people complain about, specifically with Nintendo titles. As of late, is I play through it once, it's a couple hours, and I'm done with it. Here, there's going to be reasons to go back, not just for multiplayer, but everything else. Um, and Star Fox Zero wasn't the only Star Fox news we got, too. Do you guys remember Star Fox Guard? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody forgot about that until recently. Pretty much. <laughs> it's a, it's an interactive tower defense game uh, where you play through about 100 or so missions Uh where you basically it's tower defense. It's very simple in it's it's implementation. But the cool thing about it is it's going to allow you to create your own scenarios and maps and upload it kind of like Mario, uh, the Mario Maker game, which I think is really, really cool. Um, I like the idea of having that tower defense game and I like seeing a little bit more about it. I just think that's kind of a nifty little a nifty little game. I wouldn't go absolutely gaga over it, but if it happened to fall on my lap, I'd definitely would play it. Well, they're including it with the the purchase, so it's going to be mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, but you can also get it uh, individually as well. It's right. not just it's not just if you don't want to if you don't have any interest in Star Fox Zero, uh, you can get Star Fox Guard without it, which I also thought was kind of important. Um, and there's going to be more about that type of stuff later on too. Now, Splatoon also got a little bit of news, and apparently there's been issues with balancing of gear and matchmaking in this game. I had no idea. Uh, so okay. they're actually <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to be devoting time and effort uh, to not only balancing uh, the matchmaking, but they're also going to balance the gear out and add more gear or gear of, uh, they call the gear of the week or gear of the month or whatever it was, where Sheldon actually goes through and has specific gear for the different 
build outs that you can do. And I think that's actually nice that they're they're sort of after initial sale push for Splatoon as far as they're keeping up on it. They're not just letting it die. It's not just released into the wild and then it's the end of it. For lack of a better term, it's nice to see Splatoon being treated like an actual game because it is an actual game. Well, I mean, you look at it, Nintendo, you know, made this fun little, you know, family friendly shooter game and a really strong competitive scene has popped up around it that I don't think they were expecting. And they don't have a whole lot of experience in this field, like even Smash Brothers, as competitive as Smash Brothers is. Nintendo doesn't care about balancing Smash Brothers, but then with Splatoon, with all the different factors uh, on top of you know, just the game itself with the items and the maps and the matchmaking and this and that. And there's, the there's a, modes. Yeah. yeah, there's a little more to it that they can actually tweak. So I think this is pretty cool. And it's finally opening Nintendo's eyes to this wider world beyond their their games. Uh, they've also said, too, like this is they're treating it like one of their important franchises. Same as the the other ones mm-hmm. like this is important now and it's not going anywhere. So that, that's that's kind of good. I'm, what I'm hoping is going to happen is that it's going to have a large impact going forward with their next console as well as whatever live PS Plus service that they are bound to offer later <laughs> on as well kind of thing. And I think that it can positively influence those to really take the next Wii or whatever the hell they're going to be calling it into the right direction for multiplayer and different things like that. Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, speaking of other multiplayer games, uh, we got another Mario and Sonic games coming, which, while not for me, I know some people are absolutely going to love, and it's going to be your Olympic-style competition between Sega and Nintendo mascots. Uh, it looks very polished and it looks very cool. It's just going to be a great yet. party game. This is not for me. Yeah. Now, a game that is for me, Super Mario Maker. There is going to be more updates coming down for this game because Super Mario Maker is definitely one of their more popular games, especially as of a recent year I can year or two that I can think of. Uh, there's going to be an increased difficulty setting, uh, and they're going to allow for more level design options to be created, which I think is absolutely stellar. I love, again, seeing stuff like this attention being given to the game where it's like people love this. People really love this. We should probably keep putting stuff into this so that they keep playing with our stuff. I still haven't actually played it, so not really on my radar, but I can appreciate what it's doing. Oh, see, now I think this is a game that I think all three of us should get and then just make levels for each other because we're bastards and I think it would be absolutely Yeah, because we hysterical. don't hate each other enough to begin with. <laughs> I don't hate either of you. Speak for yourself, you mean bastard. Oh, it's, it's, it's below the surface, Joe. I know. <laughs> now... Because I love you, Vince. Here's the next one. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE. It's going to be more J-pop, more JRPG elements. And it's, interestingly enough, going to be keeping the original voiceover track. And it's going to be using subs, not going to be replacing the voice at all, which I think was kind of a nifty thing. Still not a game I would play, but I have a feeling this has Vince written all over it. It has elements of Vince written all over it. I'm still not 100% sure. Just because I'm not a big fan of Fire Emblem. Like, I love SMT, but Fire Emblem, not not a big thing for me. I thought it looked interesting, actually. Yeah. Oh, it looks cool as hell. Yeah, it yeah. really cool, yeah. Now, not to be outdone by everything else that's come, Namco Bandai has a new game coming out, and it's a co-op zombie combat action game called Lost Reavers. 
that surprised me. Now I understand zombie games on the Wii U is nothing, nothing new. Zombie games on Nintendo is nothing new at this point. There's been zombie games since the original Nintendo. This actually looked like it would be fun though. Yeah. It looked like getting a group of friends together, sitting down and it's got puzzle solving on top of just random undead bashing. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Nothing spectacular, but it did look like fun. Yeah. If nothing else, it's something different. Yeah. Now, a game that I'm very excited for was Paper Mario Color Splash. That looked awesome. Mm -hmm. I love the Paper Mario games. It's going to have a new paint hammer, so you can actually smash color onto things. If you're familiar with the Super Mario Sunshine, it looks like there's a lot of elements of that in there, which I think is really cool. And the combat looks like it involves cards, which I immediately thought Roger was going to be all over that as soon as he saw, I could build a deck of cards. It's a selling point. Come on. It is a selling point. <laughs> Not just but for looks, me. There's a reason they're putting it in so many games lately. But it looks very, very good. It the it looks like traditional Mario, Paper Mario style stuff. And I didn't even know this game was existing until I saw this in the Nintendo Direct. And I'm very excited for that. Now, another one that's coming out, which I kind of knew about, but didn't really realize what it was, was Pokemon Tournament. Oh, my God. It's Pokemon Tekken. Yeah, you we know, saw that a while back. It's going to be an Evo this year. <laughs> Dude, that shit looked awesome. We talked about this last time. Was that CES? I can't remember what it was. It was one of them, yeah. Um, but I, didn't but yeah, I, yeah, I just didn't realize. Oh, no, it looked great then. And then everything that I saw here just... I'm not huge into fighting games, really, at all. But I do like to play them periodically with Tristan. And, uh, lately, and this isn't going to be a super complex fighting game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been playing Injustice a lot lately, which still is actually a lot of fun. And this, I looked at it and thought, holy crap, this would be a freaking blast. It really does look like a lot of fun. And it's gorgeous. Drop dead fucking gorgeous. Two words. Luchador Pikachu. <laughs> yep, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Pikachu in a lucha mask, You had you had me at hello. Not only that, but uh, early copies of the game, not just pre-orders, but early adopters of the game are also going to get apparently a Shadow Mewtwo skin, uh, which is going to be pretty cool for them. I, I honestly, this is probably going to be a day one purchase for me just because of Lucha Pope and Pikachu. If it's I, not too much, I actually will be picking it up because it does look like a ton of freaking fun. I am 100% ready for four months from now watching the Evo crowd and the giant arena that they're being hosted in this year going nuts for Pikachu and Charmander. Well, see, the way that I look at it, I mean, you guys do a lot more, especially Joe, like your groups of friends and all that getting together doing gaming and whatnot. Whereas with us, that tends to happen when the kids come over. So I'll do sure. some gaming stuff with my son because he still lives here. But then the other kids are all on their own. But when they come over... That's when we just break out all the controllers and have a lot of fun. And lately, it has still been with Mario Kart, just because of the allure of that game for that kind of thing. And also because especially my eldest daughter is freaking nuts for Mario Kart. <laughs> but this is the kind of thing that I know for a fact everyone would have so, so much fun with. Yeah, I it's one of those things where I know that just having it in my house, like I can honestly see Tart sitting there just like smashing things and screaming Pokemon battle cries and it'll be absolutely hysterical and wonderful. 
It's actually one game that I would like to see multiplayer online to play yeah. against you, to play yeah. against Tartan, to just have fun doing that as well. Like the idea of me and Tristan on our couch fighting against you and Tart on yours sounds like a ton of fun. I don't know whether or not that's going to be allowed they, or how it's going to work, but man, yeah, they didn't say I would love to see that. I absolutely would as well. Now, Pokemon weren't the only old classics making a comeback here. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD is about to be released. Uh, already which, out by now. Already out. Is it? Yeah, it's that's great. It's still not Zelda Wii U though. So, what I've heard from it too is just kind of almost meh. a resounding man. Like, yeah, it's if, nice. If you like Twilight Princess, there you go. There you There's go. more of it. Like, or if you didn't play it. Yeah. If you never did get yeah. around to playing it, then here you can play it in HD instead of the old one. But to me, the old one was, I mean, it, visually, it still holds up. Like, it I still good. have yeah. it. It's yeah. still, it still looks absolutely See, that's the thing. When, when they When they released Ocarina of Time, it was huge. Because sure. how long Even when Ocarina of Time come out? When, when they did Majora's Mask, it was like, oh, cool, Wind Waker. Hey, I liked Wind Waker. And the closer they get to modern day, the less impact it's going to have because it's just more people have played that, that game recently. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if you guys, uh, if you haven't played Twilight Princess, pick it up. It's worth it. After that, we moved into the brief bit about the new loyalty program, which I still don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't think they know how it works. I don't think anybody knows how it works. Just bring back the old one. Just let me register my damn games and get my stuff and call it good. Then after that, we have more Amiibo games. Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge is going to be a game that involves Amiibo-specific games for your Amiibos. You're going to get little, like, wind-up Yoshis or little wind-up Marios or, or whatever that. And it's going to be little mini-games, which I thought was kind of cool. Fuck that shit. Fuck that Skylander shit. <laughs> is, <laughs> I don't I have the money have as much it. of an issue with it if you could get the fucking things. <laughs> still too much money. If, if you want a Skylander, odds are you can go to a store and find it. <laughs> Really? Because I can go to the, the Toys R Us down the road for me, and there's an entire aisle full of nothing but Amiibos. And if it's anything like any other store I've been to, it's the same six Amiibos. Nope. Nope. They have just about everything. When I was at, rare when ones. I went into the Nintendo World store last year, they had an entire, like, department of Amiibos, and there is maybe a dozen of <laughs> across aisles. Well, we'll get to the. I have something about that a little bit later, too. We're going to go back to Amiibos yet again. Don't worry. There's going to be uh, new games coming to the 3DS Virtual Console. Uh, They're going to be finally adding Super Nintendo games like Super Mario World uh, games along that line, which it's about damn time. It took so friggin' long. Really? Come on. Interesting that it's exclusive to the new 3DS because they realize nobody's buying the upgrade. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that, all that is is marketing because, like, it, it's not processing power because the 3DS is going to be more powerful than a fucking SNES. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you need that extra button because you got you all know. the buttons you need on the on a 3DS from the controller from the SNES. So this is just marketing bullshit. It is, but for those of us that have the new one or are getting the new one because I need to upgrade mine because my battery is absolute garbage and my things, I still one of the old small 3ds's that's fine for me like i will reap the benefits of this i'm okay with that yeah i I already have one so i'm fine with it but if i didn't already have one it wouldn't sell me yeah it's not a selling point it's just an added bonus for me then there was a game that i wasn't sure what it was about at first when they called pocket card jockey 
it was from card or game freak and it had pocket in the title so i thought it was gonna be oh little monsters no apparently it's horse racing with solitaire it was awesome (laughs) that that you can then also breed your horses to race them later on after you retire them but while playing solitaire what and it's not even real solitaire it's like a modified version of solitaire too you know what's funny is that it made me think of there's a um there's a poker game sword and poker i think it's called on uh ios that i still play i picked it up a long bloody time ago and i still play that shit and and i love it and then there's i know that i i laughed about it when i played it because i loved it so much that fairy solitaire is fucking awesome <laughs> i loved it it's a different way of playing it and because i i mean i like cards not just games like magic the gathering and whatnot i like playing cards i like playing cards as well be it poker or or solitaire as well i grew up and that was a very french thing in our community too you get together with your relatives and you play cards all the time and um and so i love it so this here i saw it i don't care that it has this cutesy breeding and raising ponies bullshit i'll that might very well be fun in addition. It's just the idea of mixing it in with just a solitary game. It's like, yeah, right. I'll give that a shot. That sounds awesome. <laughs> now, another one that uh, was looked very, very awesome was, what is it? Azure Striker Gunvolt 2. It looks like a very fast-paced Mega Man-style side-scrolling action-adventure game, which I absolutely am a sucker for. And it looks like it's going to come out on June 1st, and there's going to be a... Another character in it that looks just like Proto Man has the ability to copy boss abilities. I'm okay with this, especially after there was that whole thing about, oh, Mega Man won't sell. Mm-hmm. Mega Man clones will sell. This I will probably be picking up. Just It looked very pretty as well. After that, we had Fire Emblem Revelations plus Fire Emblem Fates DLC. There is apparently going to be an, more updates, more paths, uh, it's going to be an expansion priced at $20 uh, U.S. Uh, I don't know about that. I wasn't a big on the new incarnation of Fire Emblem. I used to be really into it, but I just kind of lost interest in the current one. Not sure how I feel about an expansion to a DS game at 20 bucks. And not only that, but you still have to play through the first part of the game, even if you've already done it, to get to the part where the path diverges. And then select it via a menu. It's really weird. I'm really interested in the game. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, for me, there's a couple of things holding me back, not the least of which being the money. But, of course, the only 3DS we have in the house is my son's. And he he would obviously let me play, too. He's told me that time and time again. Of course, he says that while he's playing. <laughs> and he plays it a lot. But I, he would let me play. And I am interested. It's just that... I really don't like the pricing structure that they've got in place for the new game. I think it's an exorbitant amount. I've I've actually heard a lot of good things about it, but it's still I think the price is still too high. And then when you're looking at this on top of that, it's bloody expensive and uh, it's like you're saying I think it's too much for an ex- a DLC of a 3DS game. Yeah, I'm just that alone kind of makes me leery, I guess would be the best way to phrase it. But it's after, one of those things. It's Nintendo. People are going to buy it. That yeah, somebody will. Somebody will buy it. The guaranteed. After that, we got uh, Hyrule Warriors Legends, uh, which is looks like it's going to be very similar to Hy- Hyrule Warriors for the Wii U, except on 3DS. It's going to have a season pass. 
Uh, it's going to have a transfer code system so that if you own the Wii U version, uh, you can transfer characters or unlocks or whatever the case is from one to the other in certain capacities. If you pre-order the game at GameStop, there's going to be an exclusive art book. And uh, you also get access to Linkle and her magic compass thing, which is kind of cool. And uh, you're going to get Medley as a free download if you get it pre-order. It looks like it's going to be fun, and it looks like it's going to be one of those things that I think is going to sell very, very well. It also looks like one of those things that I'm going to wait until it goes on sale, and then maybe I'll pick it up. I really wasn't a huge... I don't want to say fan because I didn't even play it. I just have no interest in the Hyrule Warriors. See, as well, someone who loves the uh, Dynasty Warriors, Dynasty Warriors yep. games, yeah, I'm all about those. Yeah, and I used to play the Dynasty Warrior games quite a bit, and I did I did enjoy them. I just never picked up Hyrule Warriors for uh, my actual console, so this this might get me to pick it up. We'll see. Also, because Linkle actually does look pretty cool, I I can kind of get down with playing as her. Now, one that I thought was very interesting and one that I was very excited to see this happening, Disney Art Academy. And it sounds really cheesy, but it teaches kids or younger people or people who just want to learn how to draw, how to draw popular Disney characters. And Pixar. Uh, and Pixar. Well, the yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. But I thought that In was really, really heart, cool. they are. <laughs> <laughs> but what was really cool about this for me is because my niece just got into, like, actually trying to sit and learn how to draw. She's turning four. This is perfect. This is something I will purchase at the very least for her. And I'm okay with that. Listen, I've seen Renee try to draw goofy. She could, you know, benefit from this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say that to her (laughs) face though. After that is a, a game that I was on the fence about until I started hearing some recent things like it didn't pick up bravely default when it first came out bravely i I loved the first bravely default so everybody said i highly recommend it i am picking it up actually as a result of bravely second uh but bravely second end layer is going to introduce new jobs which includes the wizard who is going to have spellcraft which will allow the players to customize spells what sold me on this game another job catmancer (laughs) which i think is absolutely hysterical you learn moves from the monsters you fight, and you train your cats to perform them in exchange for treats. Oh, well, you look you look at Bravely Default, <laughs> and what they've done is they've taken a lot of you know the classic Final Fantasy style jobs and reinterpreted them. This is the craziest version of a blue mage I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> but I love it. It's, it's so funny. Like what the random animation of like the cats dancing. <laughs> It was just I just lost my shit. Like I just absolutely did. There's also going to be a exclusive adventure called the Three Cavaliers, and it's going to be in the demo only for the new one, I believe. And it's going to be you going to investigate state strange disturbances. But it's kind of cool that they're adding a little extra bonus for mm-hmm. you know incentive for you're going to play the demo. Here you go. After that, we got Dragon Quest Seven: Fragments of the Forgotten Past. Yes, was, yeah. I go ahead. I'm really happy for a more complete version of Dragon Quest Seven because the original release was sorely lacking in a number of areas, and they're not just re-releasing. Oh, they Dragon Quest Seven the and Eight. They're they're really doing a lot of work on the games themselves to make them more suitable for a modern audience. I also appreciate the fact that they are spending the time to completely rebuild the game. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a massive undertaking. 
So that's great there. Uh, from there, we got Monster Hunter Generations, which is supposed to be the most customizable Monster Hunter to date. Except we don't really know a whole lot about that customization. There's really not a whole lot known. And uh, yeah, we know that and there will be Monster bonus. Hunter, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I want to like Monster Hunter. I just can't. I, every single Monster Hunter game that's come out, I've gone, huh, that looks interesting. And I've played the demo and I've gone, huh, it's not. <laughs> and ironically, that's one of the games that Tristan loves because he got the last one on his 3DS. And he put in tons of hours into it and adored it. I, and it was like I tried the Wii U version and it was horrific. Well, added bonus for Tristan then. If he plays, he had to play it on the Wii U, he gets this new one. There's bonus content that will only be available if you have a save file present from the old game. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was okay for people that do enjoy it. From there we have the new Metroid Prime Federation Force. And I didn't really see anything noteworthy here. It's just basically Federation soldiers with some random appearances from Samus. And they kind of have pseudo classes where you can kind of stock up on one thing and maybe kind of almost be like a healer or kind of almost maybe be like a heavy. It just seemed kind of meh. It's pretty much they had a game in development and realized, hey, we haven't released a Metroid game in a while. So let's just kind of put that coat of paint on this other thing. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. I, I never care for stuff like that. Like, give me if you're gonna give me a Metroid game, give me a real goddamn Metroid game. Mm-hmm. The way that I look at it too is, you start looking at it and comparing it to the other similar type games that you can be playing that are so much better right now, right. or that more of your friends are playing because of the hype or or whatever. And I looked at this and kind of went, this doesn't even come remotely close to any of those. Yeah. From there, we had. Uh, Heaven Rhythm Megamix, which was the weirdest random assortment of rhythm games I think I've ever seen in one sitting. Well, it's a Megamix, Joe. Of course. And apparently there's going to be uh, over 170 games in this for that. That scares me. I don't know who in the Western audience is going to like it, but I'm sure somebody will. It just ain't for me. Now, the last one on my list is one that I'm very, very excited for. And that's Kirby Planet Robobot. Yes. <laughs> this looks absolutely amazing. You're going to have new abilities to copy. It's got the foreground background play like the new Donkey Kongs. Kirby gets a Mega Man style robot armor that can also copy abilities. And not only is that the cool bits there and it's got the classic Kirby gameplay and it looks visually just amazing. You also get another game with it. Team Kirby Clash, which is a four-player multiplayer game that you can also get standalone. But that's also really, really cool. And each player is going to have different roles. You gain XP. You level up. It's a fucking Kirby RPG. That's awesome. And, See, oh, and, and with, with this and um, the Star Fox Guard, it makes you look at that Metroid Prime game and go, this is something that should be free with an actual Metroid game. <laughs> exactly. But here's where the Amiibos come back in. And this is really exciting. <laughs> this game, this game is Amiibo compatible where you can actually give Kirby special abilities that he could absorb or use based on the Amiibos you use. So if you have Amiibos laying around, throw them on there, see what happens. 
And there's going to be a brand new set of Kirby Amiibos being released with this game, including a re-release of Meta Knight, which happened to be one of the ones that people couldn't find forever. Mm-hmm. And they're going to unlock a very special robot mode in the game for Kirby on top of everything else. This game, everything I've seen about it from here and I started looking at it online elsewhere, fucking 100% sold. Give me this game now. Like the last few Kirby games I've looked at them and gone, OK, yeah, that's cute. That's fun. But eh, whatever. This is the first Kirby game in a long time I've went. I need this. <laughs> and, you know, you could take any Nintendo character and put them in a mech and I'd be into it. But what they've done here, like really using it in fun, interesting ways, I'm pretty happy about. And we're closing in on the first quarter of the year and you still don't have your Wii U. It It's it is going to be a family purchase, Roger. I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Besides, I still haven't finished the first Xenoblade on my 3DS, so I've got time. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so if that is it, we are going to move ahead because we already yeah, are a whole lot of Nintendo. Long. Yeah, but that's that's cool. There was a lot of stuff and some justifiably very cool stuff. Very, very briefly, initial impressions on Far Cry Primal. You know, I know you talked to me on AIM and you were saying you're absolutely loving it. Are you still holding that opinion? Yes, and here's why. Not for anything aside from like the game. Like the setting's cool, the mechanics are good, it's tight, the the it's visually amazing. I started playing the game with an experiment. They have their own language in the game. They spent a lot of time developing this language. You have an option to turn subtitles off when you start to play this game. I wanted to see if I could figure out what was going on without subtitles and just paying attention to the the faces and the actions and the body language. So far, I'm batting a thousand as far as figuring out what's going on. Not that it's overly complicated right now, but the amount of articulation they put in the faces and the eyes and the expression and the body language of all of the characters that you interact with is fucking phenomenal. I'll be giving you guys a more in-depth talk about it later because there is actually a pretty decent story in this game as well. I'll probably do a feature on it uh, in the coming weeks, but it's... It's the first Far Cry game that I've actually really 100% enjoyed. Okay, cool. Hmm. Well, I am looking forward to hearing more about it later on. Big news last week. We finally know when No Man's Sky is coming out. And did either of you guys already (laughs) pre-order? No, I don't have time. (laughs) Not yet. I've been, even though I'm watching my money, that's been the one game we've talked enough about that I was like, I may have to. I was telling Joe, though, sadly, up here at least in Canada, the price difference between the PS4 version and the PC version on Steam is like 15 fucking bucks. So it's like, I guess I'm buying it for PC. But if you pre-order on PC, you get that fancy ship. It's (laughs) pre-order. Another reason to pre-order. Anyways, go ahead, Vince. So yes, it's finally coming out on June 21st, and we got... A few more details about this game. Everybody's freaking out. Like, we finally know what it is. Like, they didn't really tell us that much more than they already have. Maybe you just started paying attention. (laughs) But it's definitely leaning heavily on survival elements, Uh, you know, crafting type and gathering stuff like, you know, don't starve and Minecrafty elements without the building, if you will. And they're, they're talking about a lot of really cool resource management stuff that you're gonna have to do because... The entire game is built around upgrading your ship, making your ship better so that you can progress farther and farther towards the center of the universe. But the ship isn't the only thing to upgrade. You might find yourself on a frozen planet, and yes, you need those resources to upgrade your ship. 
but you're also going to freeze to death if you don't upgrade your suit and stuff like that. So a lot of really cool survival element, uh, decision-making stuff. And there's just so many cool things. Like when they're talking about the, the demo and the, the hands-on time, a lot of the uh, press got with the game. They're like, oh, I was freezing to death. I couldn't find what I needed. So I forget the guy's name, the, the main developer guy. He came over and he said, hey, throw a grenade at that rock. Blows a hole in the rock and is able to get out of the wind and regenerate his heat. So there's so many fantastic elements to this. And they've come out and they're like, again, this is stuff that we already pretty much knew. It is technically a multiplayer game, <laughs> but you are in a universe. The universe is pretty damn vast. Even if this becomes the greatest selling game of all time, that's still not a lot of players to populate a universe. But there's a lot of elements in there to at least let you know other players are around. Uh, an in-game market, you know, a trading system, the, the naming of planets and systems and animals and what have you. But you're not going to be alone. This was something I didn't – Yeah, this was new information that some of the planets you're going to come across are civilized or at least colonized by alien races that you can either attack and steal their resources. You can trade with them. Uh, they can help you out. You can buy ships. You can steal ships. But in order to actually interact with them on a peaceful level, you have to learn their language. And you can learn the languages from various artifacts strewn around the planets – but when you talk to them, you know, any words that you have learned, you'll be able to translate. And if you're intelligent enough to kind of extrapolate the language, it's kind of like what you were talking about with Far Cry, Joe. You don't actually need to know the words to know what they're saying. And you can learn to communicate with them on a very basic level. They'll teach you more of their language. And the more friendly you become with them, the more help they're going to be. That's not something I was expecting because all we've seen are these – not lifeless, but at least, you know, not civilized planets to come across. And now this whole new element has me even more excited. Oh, yeah. It's initially the the idea of just exploring the universe was That was enough, enough for me. Exactly. <laughs> and for most people, it was. And then when they showed themselves landing on different planets, it was a lot more about you're either going to explore and it automatically catalogs everything you come across or you can do a little bit of crafting, but not too much. Or you can kill a whole bunch of shit. And so that's all that I had been expecting. And like you just said, and like everybody else, that was more than enough. Now they're tossing all this other stuff on. You're like, holy shit. Like, yes, this is worth the money to buy. It's it's not even a question anymore. Mm -hmm. And the more they were talking about what, you know, what we know is everything's procedurally generated. Like, of course, they don't have the processing power to create a universe prior to the game releasing. So new planets and new star systems are generated as they're discovered. And there's no loading. It, it, this is an open universe game with no loading screens because as you're flying there, the game is generating these things on the fly. And they're talking about all the different environments they came across through their various playthroughs that we've talked about the tech behind this so many times. And yet the more we hear about it, the more astonishing it is. Oh, it's impressive. The coding for this is ridiculously good. And and it's going to be interesting for us once we are playing to see just how different things are going to be. That's something they've talked about in the past, too, how they have certain rules 
so that you don't wind up with a giraffe shark kind of thing on a planet. Yeah, it has it, to it's not make sense. fully random. There, so there's there some rules. Mathematical but I'm curious just how different it's going to be. Well, case mm-hmm. in point, the one that they like to keep showing is the red planet kind of thing. And it's one of those things like when we watch the Star Trek, you're thinking it's very pretty, but the odds of something just existing like that and just all red, very <laughs> but unlikely. That's even something they talked about. They're like, we've seen, you know, selected planets that aren't, aren't, you know, generated the way the game normally is because they need to have a good stage show. They need to have a lush planet with resources and animals. But in actually playing, you get to a star system and you find out there's shit there <laughs> and you got to move on to another one until you can finally find a resource rich planet, which I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> the universe is big. Not everything is going to be worth exploring. The I actually have one concern, but I'll, I can talk about that in a minute. Joe, you haven't said anything about What are your thoughts? I want to play it, but it's the problem is I just I don't know if I have time. Like that's that's the thing. Like this looks like it's going to be something that I can dive into right like it's going to be something that's going to just take time and i think i'm just going to wind up forgetting that life exists and probably forget to eat if i see for me it's one of those games like diablo or like civilization where i will play this game for months or years in chunks like there's not going to be any push like oh i have to you know play this for 15 hours today but it's a game i can easily see myself coming back to for a day or two a few hours at a time forever I, well, I'm obviously I am picking this up. I I have to. I had wanted initially to actually pick it up on the PS4, and with the hope that maybe eventually it'll be on the PSVR. But once again, the price difference is way too much. And hell, on Steam, it might be on the Vive, mm-hmm. which it, let's be honest, be even fucking better. So I thought, what the hell? I'll I'll pick it up there. I loved the uh, the kind of funny games interview when he snuck that in there. Like, so how hard has it been to develop for the PSVR? And he almost got him to say something. That was actually a really good interview. And I was actually going to mention that earlier. What I loved about that is the frankness that this developer has that when he's being asked questions about things that aren't going to really be in the game or not being not that important to the game, he's going, listen. There's a lot of other games that do mm-hmm. that already, that do it a lot better than we can. Play those games. This is what we're doing. And I thought, way to go. Instead of trying to sell to everyone that this game is for everybody, it's not. It's, it's such a difference from what we've seen from him when he's on the big stage. You know, he's not, he's not a big stage kind of guy. But no. when you can get him one-on-one and just get him to talk about this project he's been so passionate about for so many years he really lets loose and you really get a feeling for what his vision is. Now, my one concern, and it's it's not really a concern, it's just it's going to determine not just the extent to which I, I play this game, but with whom. Because he was talking about the multiplayer aspect as well. And he was saying, yeah, sure, you're going to be really spread out and all that. You're gonna, not going to see a lot of people. So you may as well be playing offline in some mm-hmm. cases. However, the thing that I think about is that in so much as this is a spectacular game for going off on your own, that Star Trek thing of just exploring, I love that idea. The idea of exploring together in multiplayer and together mapping out as much as you can and making your way to the center kind of thing, I love that. I really, really, truly do. But 
if the multiplayer isn't strong enough that it will allow you to know where the other people are, tell you how reasonable it is for you to get to them and how long it would take and different things like that. So that if one of you wants to split off and go, go do something else, the, the obvious example being, let's say the three of us decided let's play together. Okay. If you're only allowed one profile that you then have to share, well, what are the odds that we're always going to be there at the same time or whatever? Whereas right. if, if the, if the party mechanics are strong enough that we can either get to each other a little bit faster or know where each other is, has been in the path so that we can eventually catch up. All of those little things would turn it into both a phenomenal single player experience, but this just this really tight, fun bordering on an MMO kind of thing where you get together with your friends, get in, in, in well now discord and just mm-hmm. shoot the shit and explore galaxies. See, there's one thing like, I would really like to see them implement if, like you said, yeah, the galaxy is big. You're not going to run into other people. At least have the ability to share your star charts. Yes, yes. Like definitely. we know, trading is a part of the game. You're going to be interacting with other players in some fashion. Trade uh, I would love to be able to say, "Hey, I found a really cool system with some great resources. Go check it out." Now you might look at the map and go, "Fuck, I can't get there." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I would like that one feature to be in there at least. Well, what would happen is that based on how many people are obviously going to be playing this game, you would wind up getting, again, trade routes would mm-hmm. organically become a reality yeah, seen that. in the game, which is amazing. Absolutely, insanely cool. And then because they've got pseudo AI for the planets in terms of safety and whatnot too. Well, people, yes, can be jerks about it and trolls and ruin things, but with high enough security and things like that, then they'll get, they might not be able to. So you could see again, fortified trade routes for people who legitimately want to do that kind of thing. And I thought that freaking is amazing. And I mean, we you already have proof of concept for, the for Eve players to do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You, we've already have proof of concept that, that that does in fact happen in other games. Just look at Eve. Like that is the perfect example. Trade routes have sprung up. Uh, there are people who will aren't even part of those trade corporations that will help defend those trade routes because, well, it's important to the economy that they they want to participate in. Like it's it's one of those cool organic things that pop up. And like you're talking about the, the multiplayer and having those cool little little drops like that, like sharing the uh, the star charts and things like that. Those are that would be really, really cool. There's also things you could implement like beacons, dead drops, yeah. encoded transmissions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a sci fi game. You can do pretty much whatever your brain can come up with. And that's one of the cool things about it. There's a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room that you can make it compelling and interesting and allow it so that, like you said, it's not just one shared instance that. Oh, well, I can only play this with, you know, I can only play this save if everybody's available. No, I can go do a couple things here and there, and then I can bring everybody up to speed when they all get, when they log in or whatever the case is. That would be cool. And there's a lot of different ways they can go about doing it. And that's what I want to see. Yeah. I could definitely see this game being big on post release content for stuff like that, just because it's been so much work just to make the damn thing. Mm hmm. That I, I can see them, okay, this is the functional, you know, true vision of the game. Now we can work on, you know, other fun side stuff. Because let's be honest, there's not going to be DLC. 
you're not gonna you're not gonna unlock another galaxy somewhere like the game is going all the the physical content of the planets and whatnot is going to be there so there's gonna have to be some sort of post-release support i would imagine i would like to see something that does implement more of an MMO feel again where mm-hmm. you can have a guild, call it whatever you yeah, here, want. Here, and, here's the space station update, you yeah. know, or something like that. And then the ability to create, like in Mass Effect kind of thing, these devices that would then allow you to basically get you where you need to go damn fast. So they need, they need to have Trisha Helfer be part of the voice cast for this, for like finding resources. Yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, some really cool stuff there. I obviously I'll be picking it up for for PC and uh and so that'll be that'll be fun. I can see myself leaving it on a lot and just mm-hmm. kind of floating in space or leaving myself docked somewhere and just whenever I have a break or if I'm just podcast editing, often I'll play another mindless game so that I can edit and do something else. This is perfect for that. Just kind of peacefully explore while you're editing or doing anything else. So yeah, I I can see it being on the computer a hell of a lot come release date. So let's move on to some other news. So Vince had to tease me with another card game. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) When the headline for a game advertises it as a mix between Dungeons and Dragons and Hearthstone, let's just say that tingles a lot of nerve endings for us. Yeah, that's, yeah. Initially, I'm looking at him going, ah, no, I'm I'm having so much fun in Hex right now. I don't, (laughs) I can't play anything else. But but it's so vastly different. It is, but not just that. No, I looked at it and I was like, God damn it. It's awesome. It's freaking awesome. Look at that. It it just looks like a ton of fun. And I like that it has a lot of of tactics in it as well for the encounters. I thought that was freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the game is called Labyrinth from a studio called Free Range Games. It actually comes out on Steam Early Access next week for $10. And, you know, once they've finished the game, it'll move into a free-to-play pricing structure where, you know, Early Access backers will get bonuses for the money they've put into it already. And it's just even hearing about how the game happened. Like the the game studio has a weekly company game night where they just get together and play D and D and Pathfinder and what have you. And their creative director, creative director Bradley Fulton, one night brought in a game that he'd been working on at home, a tabletop game at that, not even a video game. And everybody loved it so much. They said, "This is the next game our company has to make." And it's exactly what I said. It's a mix between Dungeons and Dragons and Hearthstone, where you create your heroes of assorted classes. You know, right now there's a warrior, rogue, mage, and cleric. But each character builds a deck of abilities, which you look at the interface, it's Hearthstone. But I mean, it's it's alpha at this point. So, I mean, that's not unusual. You get into these battles where it's on a full 3D, you know, grid with full tactics, moving your party around, you know, having your hand of cards that you're drawing so you're never you know, using the same abilities every time. And you're basically playing a game of Hearthstone with it's- a party on a 3D full gaming field. It's insane. It's Baldur's Gate with Hearthstone for your fighting mechanic. It's freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about how there is going to be asynchronous multiplayer. You're not just going to be controlling your party of heroes. You can also be, quote, the DM. 
and design a dungeon for people to go through. And that's going to be supported by the fact that when you finish a dungeon or a quest or whatever and you get a booster pack, that booster pack isn't just going to contain cards for your heroes. It's also going to contain dungeon cards, monsters and traps and all that stuff. So it's going to encourage people to create these dungeons and continue earning rewards because every time a player fails a dungeon, the DM gets goodies. <laughs> it, there's so much cool stuff here. And even the twist on the mechanic, like the actual card playing, there's no mana. There's no threshold. There's no none of that. The cards you play, your resource is your time. After you use this card, you have a cooldown of two rounds or, you know, you're channeling this huge spell. It's going to take a while before it can actually go off and do the huge amount of damage, which makes it so much more tactical. I mean, they showed off the in the little video we watched of the alpha gameplay. Uh, then you have a cleric that can haste the other party members to give them extra turns. It's so tactical. And in even this very early state, you can see the potential the game has. I agree. I agree. It was I I went into watching that video thinking, don't like this game. Don't like this game. Don't <laughs> like this game. Just because again, in, in so much as you're not paying a fortune for them, you really have to be careful not to spend a fortune on just buying cards and different things like that. So I was like, Oh, don't and then I, I just was watching it because I don't know how they're gonna be doing it for for their free to play once it does mm-hmm. go free to play. So but anyways, no, it looked like so much friggin' fun. It looked phenomenal. Damn them. <laughs> how dare they? Yeah, how dare they make a good game? You fucking pricks. Okay, let's move on. We got some more news about a game that we're all excited for as well. We covered, we talked about it a little bit, and that's Vampire before. But we got some more news, and from what I've seen as well, it freaking looks pretty awesome. There's actually been a... Uh, uh, just a plethora of news over the last four days, even for this, it's been pretty, pretty consistent stuff trickling through everything from pre-alpha gameplay footage to design concepts to behind the scenes sort of decision-making stuff. There's a lot of cool things here. And for, if you aren't familiar with it, it's basically, it's set in 1918. You are taking the role of Jonathan E. Reed, who's a doctor in a city, which is maybe or maybe not London, uh, afflicted with the Spanish flu, who also happens to be a vampire. Go figure. Uh, There's been some interesting stuff where the more you feed or the more you access your vampire powers, it will actually affect the story that develops. How you feed will affect the story that develops because there's this interesting balance between, yes, you're a vampire, but to the rest of the world, you're a doctor. You're still in hiding. So there's all sorts of cool mechanics about hiding the bodies and making sure you're discreet about your feeding and things like that. So it's sort of like a built-in, I don't want to say limit, so that players just don't go around killing an entire city. Uh, There's also other vampires that you're going to run into, which was news to me. And there's going to be epic battle scenes and epic combat. Uh, I saw some pre-alpha footage where you were actually able to spike somebody up by their own blood while bludgeoning them with a homemade weapon. That was pretty damn cool. (laughs) And this is such a a large departure from Life is Strange. Like, it's just wildly different. And that's really and that also is very cool to me. And what we've heard is that every decision you make is going to have there. There's really no true, like, good ending. Everything's going to affect the ending. And I can believe that. I absolutely can believe that from what I'm seeing here. 
it's just this game looks like it's going to be insanely massive, insanely well detailed and have a lot of very interesting mechanics. One thing that I found interesting is during the the interview process, they were talking about it not really being London, but it kind of is because there's going to be some landmarks because we've seen other companies have recreated London very faithfully for certain time periods. Did you know that buildings, at least in some of the major cities, have visual trademarks? Yeah. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to this capacity. They can't simply afford to recreate London. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they, they want to. They can't. So what they're doing is they're they're making these they're making some purchases for some key landmarks. They're going to do this really, really well. And then everything else is going to be like a Victorian sort of era, uh, early turn of the century style wasteland, so to speak, of this world ravaged by the Spanish flu. Again, that's all you really need. You mm-hmm. really don't need something that faithful and accurate to the time. Oh, I agree. But a, a lot of people were getting up in arms about that. And I, I don't know if you guys saw that, but there was a lot of comments on a bunch of the sites. There's some weird conversations on, on Twitter about internet? it. Like, well, if it's not really London, I don't want to play the game. It's like, fucking really? It's going to be awesome one way or another. That's a few people. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you said, it's it's a big departure from Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. And... I like that, and I want to support mm-hmm. that. I because the idea of then getting pigeonholed into only one type of game because that's what they were good at, that never allows creativity to push through. And if they were that good at the one type, they could be, be equally amazing at something else. So I really want to support them and see what they can do. Well, and you hit a nail on the head right there too. Is it's all about storytelling, at least with this. There's a million vampire games out there. Most of them fucking suck. Let's be honest. You're just running around and killing things indiscriminately. Yeah, most or of the like good ones are stupid. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the, the ones that are like visually amazing tend to have very thin story. So if they can give me a compelling story with compelling motivations, I'm going to be sold. And they've already proven their pedigree as far as storytelling goes. For the most part, I mean, I had one minor. For, gripe with their game oh it was enough for you not to give them a game of the year screw you not minor (laughs) (laughs) it was enough for me to tip it in the favor of of another fantastic fucking game okay not as good as life is strange (laughs) in your opinion but this has you screwed a three turn (laughs) you done you good Uh, he's waiting I can tell (laughs) I'm used to that silence but yeah, it's it's just one of those things where as long as they give a good story with good like a good build up, a good ending, and good motivations throughout, with great character interactions, and it doesn't have to be spectacular, but something more than oh man, the flu sucks, I'm gonna die now, I'll be okay. And then everything got really early quiet, you know. <laughs> God damn it, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, okay. Just dragging that out as long as I could. (laughs) All right, let's move away from Vampire. Because, yes, we'll be talking about it a lot once it does release, which is still not for a while, but definitely. I'm going to be playing the hell out of it. We'll play a hell of a lot of it, definitely. Did I, I told you guys you didn't obviously have to look at it, but I found it super interesting. Did either of you get a chance to look at those VR turn roundtables? Yeah. You didn't. Uh, mm. What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> How can you not be excited about this? You because I got other shit to be excited bastards. about, like her being a mech suit. 
Yeah, yeah, but it would be so much. But more imagine Kirby in a mech suit VR? in VR. Come you're on. like that dude from that, like Half Baked. That like that you're John Stewart's character, where he's like, "Man, have you ever seen the stars on weed?" You're like that guy. Have you ever seen Kirby <laughs> on VR? But like, it's totally true. you. It's true for everything. It was very interesting. I didn't want to talk to about it too too much. Anyways, we are fucking liar. <sighs> Seriously. <laughs> Anyway, Jeez. rude. It's just, um, it's just a. I mean, I'm hearing the vein. I'm hearing the vein spike for VR on Rogers' end. Yeah, it's. I am still justifiably oh, cool. super interested in it, and think that it's going to for those who, you know, get to to have some, that it will revolutionize the way that we want to game in the future. That's one of the things that I found telling of one of the devs that was saying like. He can't even play regular games anymore. To him, there's an entire level of immersion that's completely gone that he doesn't enjoy quite as much. So I can believe that. Very excited for a lot of the things. There was also a really interesting article on Polygon about uh, Sony's VR and detailing how it came to be and how it's progressing and things like that too, which was super, super cool. So anyways, yeah, it's... um, it, it, it's very cool roundtable things. I'll actually put the links in the show notes. We're not going to go over it too, too much, but very, very cool stuff. Lastly, wanted to touch on very quickly, you uh, you found something out about Darkest Dungeon that, that we, we kind of like here. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> well, stuff. Well, actually... But before we get into the actual little news bit, there was something really cool they did on Twitter yesterday with yesterday being International Women's Day. You know, they posted a little picture of all the female adventurers, you know, saying, you know, and, you know, you have the new character, the antiquarian, which we're going to talk about in a second. You know, the Vestal, the bounty or not the bounty hunter, the grave digger, the hellion, the arbalest and the plague doctor. I know. And everybody went, huh, I never knew the plague doctor was a woman because she's fully covered head to toe. And it just made me think a lot about how conditioned we've become, regardless of how open-minded we try to be. At least I know myself, I've been conditioned to just assume male is the standard when it comes to gaming and mm-hmm. most of mass media. And it made me step back for a second and go, huh, okay. Yeah, but to be the devil's advocate here, and 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 I agree. I think it's funny and all that and whatnot too. And I obviously assumed it was a male character as well. But the, there's enough female characters in the game too that are freaking mm-hmm. badass. At this rate, there's more female badass characters than male ones. But it's it's a very quote unquote masculine build with the clothes that she's wearing plus the mask and everything. So there's no way in hell we could have guessed. Yeah, I'm just it it, it was interesting. But as for uh, the the actual news, the latest update that came out, which uh, we talked about last week, how there's a big update coming with a lot of rebalancing and you know, undoing of a lot of the grind in the later game. And man, they actually really did change a lot of really important stuff. The big one was they finally added in the last adventurer class, the Antiquarian. Uh, it was originally referred to as the Merchant. And this adds a whole new wrinkle to the game of she's not that useful in combat. <laughs> Not a damage dealer, not a healer, not much of anything, but she brings home the loot. And that's incredibly important in its own way. I've had, I've been on many great runs where I kicked the shit out of the dungeon and I came home with jack shit. So it, it's going to add an interesting new 
risk reward level of, you know, do I want to go in gimped? You know, what if the enemies are stronger than anticipated? And I, I have, I'm basically going in with a three man party and I love it. I, so do I, I, I thought that was just hysterical. It's cause you, like you're saying, you don't know what you're going to run into. So you're rolling the dice every time. And I didn't know they were doing this. They, when they announced that the antiquarium was live, they showed that they've been doing the series of single page comics on their website in the darkest dungeon art style, which we've said before is phenomenal. And it's just a single page, no dialogue of you know, a snippet of the adventurer's life before they came to the manor. And the antiquarian was the sixth one that they've done. And for a single page comic, it tells so much story and uh, the antiquarian was great uh the abomination was cool like the highwayman i forget what the other ones were but that's i i didn't know they were doing these and now i want more yeah it's very awesome okay that is actually going to wrap it up for tonight thank you to everybody who uh who's listening you can of course find the show notes at forthelore.com you can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Samodian and I am Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you if you, like I said, made it out this long because we're closing in on an hour and a half, but it was a lot of it's fun. been a while. And basically, Nintendo Direct always has a crap load of stuff, and this year it had a crap load of stuff worth talking about. I so, talked a lot to make up for the weeks I wasn't here, so yay! Okay then. Alright, so thanks for listening, and <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. <laughs>